family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey everybody, welcome again to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and sponsored in part by Sosby's Garage in Loganville, Georgia. I'm your host, Rick Strong, the president of Paradigm Security Services, and we are excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We are coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. Each week, as you know, we plan on featuring businesses in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County and surrounding county, counties. While all businesses have security issues, not all of them are about physical security. And we'll touch on that and all related aspects of security as move through the course of each show. Our guest today, I am proud to have Roy Whitehead, Chief of the Snellville Police Department. I appreciate you coming in, Roy. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be here. I know you've never heard this anywhere before, but are you ready, Roy? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that show. Um <laughs> You know, being a chief of police has got a lot of responsibilities, but, you know, a lot of times it takes kind of a special kind of person. Tell us, who exactly is Roy Whitehead? Where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? What what got you into police work, and why in the world would you want to be a chief? Well, I'm originally from Athens, Georgia. I grew up there, went to college at the University of Georgia, but... Go dogs. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I... Um, I always thought I might want to be an attorney, and I had worked uh, as a paralegal for a law firm at the same time I was in the National Guard Military Police, and to finish college, I had to, to do something else, so I went to work at the police department, and it was just very enjoyable. I enjoyed doing it, and uh, I continued to work at the law firm, too, and I had practiced and been involved in all different types of the law, figured out pretty quickly that uh, I had been in police work too long to get people out of jail and I didn't like the civil <laughs> so I didn't want to do all that so I, I think well, maybe I'd get to be a chief of police I did go to law school but uh, I, I felt like this was better for me it was a better fit and I've been doing it now for 48 years God bless you I know that it's funny you say that with the thought of being an attorney when I was in high school that was where all my studies were geared I even took three years of Latin of course full disclaimer that was partly to get out of trigonometry and all that kind of stuff but you know with the idea that I wanted to go to law school and of course got out of high school and all that and then got on the police department with Atlanta and you know 25 years later trying to go to college every time I go to college they'd move me somewhere so I can appreciate your service I know it's a big challenge um to keep up with what's going on you know you've got to keep up with what's going on in your area in your neighborhood in the nation as a whole if you're going to be responsible for taking care of a city and taking care of your officers you know it's important they have backing 
But at the same time, it's important to be able to do what you need to do when you have to do it in correction mode. Well, it is, but the important thing really is to build relationships within the community uh, and the people that we serve. Um, we work very hard at that. We, we take it very seriously to be open and transparent and to, to reach out. Uh, I'd have the privilege of being a consultant to the Department of Justice and doing community policing around the country. And so I know how important it is to a community to relate to the police department. Well, and, and you keep, hit one key thing, and it's all about relationships. And you have to have a relationship with the community so that you understand them but it's just important, and a lot of people don't realize that, that community's got to understand the full reality of what they, you know, they need the police department. They need the security that's involved with being having a quality police department in their area, in their in their neighborhoods, in their community. And to do that, a lot of times it takes a big work on that communication and that relationship. Well, it is, and we we're very active with our Citizens Police Academy. We do two sessions a year. And we do that because we want people to have an opportunity to see who we are and what we do because the way most people know about what police work is done is through television. And I can honestly tell you that's not accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's funny to watch those shows. I've I've got to where I don't don't even watch them because you want to watch them, watch it for entertainment. Don't watch it for trying to figure out how police department works. Absolutely, because believe it or not, they edit a lot. So when you get from point A to point C and you didn't see B, you always wonder how that happened. Yeah, and there's (laughs) usually a very interesting story behind the B. Um, Let's deal a little bit with the police department itself. What are the department's responsibilities and duties? Well, we're a full-service law enforcement agency. We investigate all crimes and incidents. We uh, work traffic. Uh, as you know, being around Snellville, traffic is our number one problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're, we deal with that. Um, but it's the actual uh, re- responsibility is to help protect the community and serve the community as best we possibly can to make people feel safe. Well, you know, you, you talk about traffic, you know, you've got a lot of things going on in the way of traffic, a lot of new development, a lot of new interchanges and stuff like that. How has that affected y'all? Well, it's affected us tremendously. Uh, you, 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 of course, everybody knows how to do it better than the state does, and, <laughs> and we hear from that. They, uh, Obviously, when there's a change, people drive by habit, and because they drive by habit, when there's a, a structural change or a physical change now all of a sudden they they panic and they may make a turn that they didn't mean to make and with this new diverted left turn intersection that it does happen luckily the the actual accident rate has remained just about constant constant it really hadn't been a problem but what exacerbates it is at the same time we're doing that construction project they're doing the uh, bridge project on Springdale, which is another major um, thoroughfare for people to get in and around the city. We did the uh, roundabout on North Road. They're doing another one at Fars and Ridgedale. And uh, there's just several construction projects all happening at once, which certainly doesn't uh, ease the situation. But our traffic counts about 235,000 cars a day. That's, that's a lot of cars. And that's, you know, it's not, Snellville's not a big area. So when you have that much traffic moving any time, you know, at, on a given day, that, that's, that's a lot of traffic. Well, it is. And, and the, of course, the new intersection was designed 15, 20 years ago. And the traffic count at that time was about 50,000 on 78 and about probably 25,000 on 124. Well, today, traffic counts about 110,000 on 78, and it's about 70,000 on 124. So even when it's completed, it's going to be better. 
It will be better. But it'll still be behind. But it will still, it, it won't be perfect. Well, you know, I've never seen a perfect intersection yet, and I've directed traffic in a lot of them. And no matter how that you design it, it's no matter how you design it, it's always designed so far in advance that it takes all that time to get to it. By the time it's constructed, it's almost it's almost out. Of, it's almost obsolete. Well, it is, and there's two more projects that are planned, but it could be ten or fifteen years before they even come out of the ground. So, yep. and all of that combines together to make traffic flow better. Well, and it's just like in the CID up here uh, at Gateway with the um, diverting and with Gwinnett Place with the diverging D. It, it's it really it's a lot of people had a lot of bad thoughts about it and think, oh my God, how is this going to work? It's going to screw things up. It's really done an extremely good job when once this traffic started flowing to keeping the traffic moving. Well, I can already see the improvement. Maybe some can't, but I can see a tremendous improvement in how traffic flows. Uh, how you get through the city coming all the way from Rosebud to past Knollwood to the other side of the project and then 78 and on. But um, it seems to be flowing much better than it ever has. Well, you're from a unique perspective, too. Um, being in law enforcement and having to deal with that, you deal with the traffic calls, you deal with the accident calls, you deal with the need for traffic control on a on a officer basis if something goes haywire. So you get really a, a much better overview of the flow than the average person does. It goes through one intersection every day, and they just, for them, the time they go through, it's the worst time of day in the first place. So it, it totally different in your perspective. Well, this the intersection is going to be unique because uh, there is going to be battery backup for this intersection. So if the power goes down, because we literally could not direct traffic with all the points of this intersection, we don't have enough resources to do that. And uh, that, you know, that's been suggested that we put people out to direct traffic there, but uh, it would take more people than we actually have on duty at any one time. Well, it looked, you know, just popping into my head, I'd say you're looking at six to eight people to direct traffic there at that location. Well, we, we did 10 when we were putting the bridge up, and it would take about that. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> a lot of I mean, Atlanta would have a problem putting 10 people out there on spur of the moment to direct traffic. And we've talked with, I've reached out to uh, DOT, and they were also researching in addition to the battery backup, possibly some maybe natural gas power generators so that we it will never go down because it, that's, it's going to be an interesting situation when it does. What will happen is we'll be closing stretches of road, and there won't be any turns in that intersection. Yeah, um, and that kind of makes me think of and keys right into something else I was going to ask. How has the DOT been in working with y'all and cooperation, and, and how helped? Excuse me, how helpful have they been with y'all? Well, um, basically, DOT and the project manager have worked hard to keep us in the loop so we know what's going on. And they've really taken what we've had to say as uh, as constructive. Um, one of the changes that hopefully is going to be made soon is that when you're coming northbound um, from Henry Clower and you go on Knollwood, it comes up right there by the McDonald's, mm -hmm. uh, we could see that traffic was backing up because you only had the one left turn lane and then you had the through lane slash right turn lane. And we've asked, and they're going to do this, where they can make both lanes be a left turn lane. That'll keep the traffic from backing so far up and then you can still get out of McDonald's and, and it'll clear each light cycle where sometimes you weren't clearing each light cycle. Yeah, and that, there's nothing more frustrating to, to go somewhere like that and be involved when the traffic is medium to, to heavy and having to sit through two if not three light cycles because of traffic well it is and of course what does that do that 
increases road rage and, and people yep. who are just not willing to be patient and, and wait their turn. Yeah, and they've got nothing good to say about the people that it, and it's the city that designed it according to the people that are in the traffic. Well, and they believe that, but the city had nothing to do with the intersection whatsoever. Exactly. Other than they funded some of the construction uh, diagrams. Well, y'all also have a CID there in Snellville. Yes. Um, how how much cooperation do y'all do with an interaction? Do y'all do with the CID there? Well, we work with them very well uh, we have a great relationship they're very beneficial to us in the city they're beneficial to us in the department they put up some uh, flock camera tag readers which uh, when we had the recent fatality there was just a freak uh, occurrence where the load shifted on a tractor trailer but we were able to look, go to those cameras and identify witnesses and people that could help us know for sure what did occur in that accident. So, I mean, everything they've done with uh, in that regard has been very helpful for us. Well, and just for clarification, that's Community Improvement District. When I said CID, I'm so used to, to doing that. I just throw CID out there. But uh, the Snellville Community Improvement District, I've been to a lot of their meetings in the past, and it's really a, a good CID. They really pay attention to what's going on, and they've really been active a lot in the uh, community out there. Well, they're very responsive to any requests that we have. That's fantastic. Well, you, I know that uh, being with the police, you have a lot of community involvement programs. You, you've got to. And what does that, or, or even events, that's the department engaged in now? Well, uh, I touched on a little bit with the Citizens Police Academy because right. that's very important. But what we do, in addition to attending the Citizens Police Academy, is we have a Citizens Police Academy Alumni Association which is a 501c3 corporation, and they help us with events. They help us with some fundraising for to help us get equipment that we wouldn't get through normal fundraising channels. But it also keeps them involved with us in the community to know what, what, what actually is going on. And I, I, I always call them our ambassadors in the community because they're able to reach out and answer questions that – they're going to say, well, of course you'd say that. You're the chief of police. But when they have other citizens that are saying the same thing, um, it, you know, it's, it's very beneficial to us all the way around. But, like, uh, we're coming up tomorrow night, we're going to have a uh, what we call the Halloween Patrol. Um, most We'll have a lot of extra officers in, and we, we have a lot of candy to be giving out to kids and getting out and interacting. So that's a very positive event, too. We have our own public safety night where we bring a lot of uh, entities together to talk about personal safety, property safety, even animal safety, uh, the things that you, that you can do to make it better. But it's actually for the kids because of all the static displays and everything we do. We're very active with uh, with a shot with a cop. We have our own program that we do with that. Um, we're engaged in almost any community activity where they, they're doing some type of a safety night. We, we participate. Great. Uh, we do a lot of uh, our canine demonstrations, and we're active with the schools talking to kids because we really want kids to see us when they're not on the backside of the blue lights, when they can see and relate that we really are a person and we really do want to help. Well, and the schools are important. Uh, we, there's so much you never know what's going to happen and what school is going to happen at. So security is extremely important, and the trust is extremely important with these school kids. Um, are there more that y'all do with the enacting, you know, enacting with the schools? And well, one of the things that I require, we only have three schools within the city limits, right. but, <clears throat> and they have their own school police department. 
But I require all of our people to walk each of those schools every month so that they know the physical layout of the, of the, of the school. So that if something does happen and we're going to respond and we're going to be there, whether it's primary or in a secondary role, we want them to know where to go on the campus when the, where the problem actually is. And so we, we do that a lot. We engage in other exercises. Uh, I'm involved. Uh, I've got, we've got a meeting tonight with the uh, academy um, programs that they do at South Gwinnett High School and how we can interact with them. Uh, uh, their public safety law and leadership is the one that I particularly do more with than the others. Um, but we, we do try to get involved. We do a lot of tours of our facility with the uh, pre-Ks and kindergartens and, and other schools. And we just, we just try to stay active with our, all of the young people in our community as best we can. Well, it's always so much better when these young people, you know, I remember when being an officer, I would have, be in a store or something, and a parent would look at them and say, if you don't behave, I'm going to have that officer lock you up. And my response was always, well, don't worry about it, babe. You know, we're going to take care. We'll take care of kids who we lock up as the parents that threaten little kids with the police. Well, that is something <laughs> that you hate to hear. I mean, you do hate to hear it because we want, we want that different relationship. We want them to come to us if there's a problem. Absolutely. Not be afraid to come to us. And, and that, that's part of this building process. And we do our – we have a cadet program, which is uh, – from 14 to 20 where they where young people come and they participate every week and we do training we're not trying to make them police officers but if you have any interest in criminal justice there's a lot of good information that's provided a lot of discipline and we're looking for the kids that that may not be the star kids that are that are that can have the opportunities to interact in any kind of extracurricular activity but we're looking at people who want to be steady students who want to move ahead and do have interest in criminal justice well, you know, it's in, like I say, it's important to build those relationships, and it's really important to build a relationship with the schools and with kids. I know that the perception of crime, and we talked about that uh, in Snellville, is one thing, but what is the actual statistics that they're in Snellville? Well, let me say it this way. The problem isn't crime. The problem is the, is the fear of crime, that you believe that you might be victimized. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it later with the, with social media, but everybody knows everything that occurs, and the, the media puts many things out there, and they're very helpful. Like they've helped us identify criminals, people we've been looking for who might have been involved in an incident, but but also uh, it creates the perception. Because when I do the Citizens Police Academy, one of the things I say is is how many of you believe that Snowball's inundated with crime? And we'll usually get a few people that raise their hands, but part of that is attributed to the fact that we have two zip codes so if it goes from stone mountain to loganville and lawrenceville to lithonia it's reported as in snellville mm-hmm. and you know we, we get that we get that a lot but in actuality our crime rate is much lower than it's ever been in 2018 we had eight robberies that's armed robberies and snatches my first year here in 2004 we had 39 um you know you, you, you look at those things there's only been 10 homicides in the whole history of the city of snellville uh, you know, of course, we did have one last year, but before that, it had been 10 years. Um, so it's not a violent crime. We didn't have any uh, sexual assaults, didn't have any of that. So when you look at the total number of what we call violent crimes, the FBI lists them as part one crimes, that's crimes against persons. We only had 26 all of last year. Um, you know, and, and this year, it looks like we're even going to have less. Through 10 months, we've only had, we've had seven robberies. Um, you know, a, burglaries my first year here we had 151 last year it was 38 we're on track this year to probably have um less than 30 so your part two crimes or crimes against property are down too well, yeah they're down too I, I mean everything is what what our biggest problem is is theft 
And it's because if if you're familiar, we have as much retail and commercial space in the city of Snellville as the Mall of Georgia has. And so the, our problem is shoplifting. Out of the 579 thefts we had last year, 323 of them were shoplifting. So, you know, but, but our people do a good job. And I'm really proud of the men and women and the quality of the work that they do. And, you know, um, patrol people who are out there, they're the backbone of your community. If they're active, they're going to find the things that you're looking for. You know, a patrol officer is the one that caught Eric Rudolph rummaging through a dumpster, Mm -hmm. the Olympic Park bomber. Well, last night we had an officer who uh, was checking a car to business after hours, and he stops this guy, and he runs him, finds out that he's wanted by the FBI for more than for millions of dollars worth of fraud, and he's also tied to heroin trade out of Ohio. So you never know who you're going to catch and who's going to be in your community. But um, but because we're doing – we, I believe we do a good job. I think we are able to control it as much as you can. Crime happens everywhere. Absolutely. I mean, it truly does. Whether you live in Sugarloaf Country Club or whether you live in Montana, it doesn't matter. Crime does occur. It's what we do to hopefully uh, – Deter it. Deter it and, and prevent it and to keep people from – from having that perception that there is more problem than there is. Well, and for a lot of people, perception is reality is the old saying. And, you know, what they think is the problem, unless they're corrected, unless they really get into it and understand it, is the problem. So I think there, again, communication and building those relationships with these people. You know, you've got your Citizens Academy. How much participation do you actually get with the citizens? How much how much participation do you get in that academy? Well, we run anywhere from 20 to 30 people in each session. Uh, I think we're on session number 30. How long is your session? It's Well, it's 12 weeks, but it's one night a week gotcha. uh, for two hours. Um, we also take them to the range and let them shoot. We take them to do a tour of the jail, but we also teach them how to uh, show them how we do traffic stops, how we do domestics, and there's a lot of information. We have canine demonstrations and they see how they work and, and what they do uh, so it really is a, it's a, um, it's multifaceted but each session is a standalone so some people uh, feel like well I, I don't know if I can commit 12 full weeks to this well if you miss one that's that's fine it's no problem and if you want to come in the next session and make that up you're welcome to but you don't have to that's awesome uh, you know of course it doesn't cost anything and we always say that you know uh, we get we do a graduation at the end we give them a steak dinner um, and then we say there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That's when we ask them to join the alumni. Well, is, there, is there an age limit in that? <laughs> no, in fact. <laughs> free you, steak dinner, I might come. You'd be surprised. <laughs> at, at, at Actually, we have uh, more people who are older participating than we do younger. Well, I'm surprised if it's got a free dinner to it. Ed Acock hadn't been over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's just so much going on in, in Snellville. You know, social media has a big impact Uh on on the perceptions i guess really of of what goes on and the impact that it plays on day-to-day operations for you has got to be phenomenal so could you tell us a little bit about that well it is because we have our own we have a facebook page we put a lot out we have the snowville neighborhood alert program and they share information and people see it and they pick it up and they share it the the good thing about social media is people find out everything immediately they know what's going on they have all kind of information the downside is they have all kind of information and they're hearing things that, that didn't happen that, that they didn't know about or, or it's or it's not reported as accurately as it might have been and it's never quite what you know what you think and um so we we do constantly have to fight that battle i mean like uh, every time there is a crime they talk about well you know how everything's deteriorating but when you actually look at the statistics that's not true 
it's better than it's ever been and it's safer than it's ever been so you know we we, we try to get that information out and share it we try to do a lot of positive things by uh, putting information out that people need to have but they have to be careful but we use the social media a lot. I mean, we've put out people's pictures that are involved in incidents where we've had videos or whatever else, and people have reported who those people are. From that facet law enforcement, that has been one of the biggest assets that I've seen in, in, come out in years is the ability to put all of that information and those pictures out to such a mass number of people because it just multiplies as everybody tags their people, tags their people. It's amazing what you can get on back in feedback. Well, one of the few robberies we had this year, and, and these are the type of robberies we have more than anything else, is, and I, I tell everybody, please don't sell anything on the Internet and go meet somebody in a parking lot. Uh, you can come to our PD. You can have, it'll be on video. If you're even that much more uncomfortable, have an officer stand by. But do it there. But we had a guy who wanted to sell his phone, and he met him. They changed the location three times. and he, he should fi- have told him something. He finally met him, and, uh, of course, they – snatched the phone that's a robbery they took it from him and uh but we had good pictures because they actually went to a location that had some pretty good surveillance cameras put that up there and within a day somebody called told us who at least one of them was and we ended up finding both of them and actually there were three people in the car one never got out so we were able to identify him and it came out very quickly because we had the assistance of the community uh and it came out through social media but you know, you, you do, there is a downside sometimes that, that people say, uh, we, well, we had something reported in a neighborhood, and it's reported as a theft by deception. So everybody in the neighborhood goes, oh, my God, this happened in my neighborhood. Well, it was happened over the computer. Uh, you know, <laughs> nobody was ever here. It just it just happened. and then, But that gets reported because that's how all these statistics are developed, and they're picked up. So, uh, And it got shared. And, of course, it does get shared time and time again. Well, sometimes it's, it's not so much the fake news because fake news – you can you can pretty well tell most of it is a meme or something like that if it's fake news and but the problem is that information that gets out there that has a little just enough truth to it to where it sounds like it is a reality but then it gets spread and it's like that little game you used to play as a kid where you whisper in somebody's ear and it goes around the circle by the time it that original message gets out that's uh, completely, totally different, and you'd never recognize it by the time the end gets around. Well, that's like several years ago there was a headline that came out on a Saturday morning that two people were shot in a Snowville home invasion. And I looked at that, and I'm going, News to me. Don't know where that address is. <laughs> and, and I actually Googled it, and it was like almost to the end where DeCab and Rockdale come together. But it was a Snowville mailing address, and that's how it got reported. So, of course, I get called from the mayor wanting to know, what happened and i said well i'll have to find out well what that one wasn't ours then uh another morning my home phone and my cell phone were ringing at the same time one was the mayor one was the city manager (laughs) you knew it's never a good feeling and they're going what's going on at the walmart and i go i don't know blue light special what's happening at the walmart (laughs) you know i don't know i'll find out (laughs) so i called and the dispatch said oh you must mean the the walmart down in centerville i said well okay what's happening down there they said, well, they were reporting that there had been a series of purse snatchings that had occurred. This is 6 o'clock in the morning, doing this story live. And while they're doing it, a fight broke out behind them. And, um, you know, so they said, when we finish our story, we should probably report that. I kind of thought they should report it, but, you know, yeah, right really. away. But but here's how they this is how they reported that. They said they were at the Walmart on 124 in Snellville. Well, they were at a Walmart. They were on 124. 
But it wasn't but it, Snellville. But it wasn't in the city limits of Snellville. It was in, had a Snellville mailing address. So that, that and and I tell them that, you know, if I, I'd appreciate it if you just said in um, in unincorporated Gwinnett County near Snellville, <laughs> I'd like that a lot better. But it works both ways. And they go, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, we had a U.S. marshal that was trying to arrest somebody out at Rosebud in '78 at the what used to be an Eckerd's drugstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy tried to run him down, and the marshal shot him." Uh, he fled. We actually found him in a in an outbuilding in a neighborhood nearby. Well, the media reported that that he was shot in Loganville and found in Grayson, but both of them were in the city of Snowville. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, so again, I mean, it just to, to, it creates this image that there's more happening sometimes than there is. So, well, yeah, yeah, that's that's the downside. But you know, luckily there's upsides to it, so that you actually get that stuff out there. Um, how does the media and portrayal of law enforcement add to the national narrative? That's a biggie because our national narrative of police right now is, is not a good one. Uh, they don't have support. Right? In a lot of ways, I'll have people talk to me and I'll say, you know, it's not like when it was back in the 70s and 80s when I was policing, as much as I was, where the, you, know, you had a target on your back for the bad guys. Well, it seems like nowadays officers have targets on the back from the bad guys and the good guys, and it just, you never know which direction it's going to come from. So how does that perspective affect y'all? Well, it does affect us because uh, less people are wanting to get into law enforcement and those kinds of things. But but what I want to get across is this, is that there are 660,000 police officers in the United States that work every day. Um, in 2018, there were over almost 7 million uh, violent crimes and another um, an, another almost uh, um, 2 million, I mean 12 million property crimes. So we're, in, we're involved in all that, and we also made about 11 million arrests around the country. But every day a police officer interacts with people, and so you have contacts with a lot of people. So even if you only had 10, you're talking about 2 billion contacts a year That's a lot. that people have with law enforcement. But how many people are actually injured or hurt by the police? You know, very, very few. None are acceptable. You know, Absolutely. It, it is a tragedy anytime anyone gets harmed in any way. But if people would just comply with what an officer tells them to do, there will be no more use of force. They will do what Absolutely. They, it won't happen. Now, was the, does that mean the officer is always right? No. And what you can do is then you can file a complaint or you can file a suit or you can go to the DA if it, if it gets to that to that level but rarely will it ever get to that level but at the same time last year when um, you know there were about 17,000 murders in our country last year 66,000 police officers were assaulted last year in the performance of their duty so the the, the, the truth is is that police rarely use force but and but it, I can tell you that it affects them when a police officer fires their weapon in the line of duty within five years 70% of those officers are out of law enforcement and they're suffering from PTSD or some Absolutely other some other are. problem. So it's not that they're looking or relishing or going after trying to to harm or or do that they don't. But they also have to make a decision in a split second that we have lawyers and judges and juries that have 10 years to decide whether they were right and and they're not in any stress or un, in danger when that happens. So I think that's what we need to get back to. We just need to be educating ourselves and opening up dialogues and talking. I went to a forum, and a lady asked me, and she stood up and she started crying. And she said, what can I do to keep my son, who's 16 years old, from being killed by the police? 
if they stop him. And I said, well, ma'am, I want you to tell your son the same thing I told my daughter and the same thing I've told my two nephews, that if you get stopped by the police, if it's at night, it'd be a good idea to turn on your interior light. But if it's not, you just keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't make any quick moves for anything. And if you, if let's say they ask for your insurance or your license and it's in the glove compartment, you tell them it's in the glove compartment. May I get it? Just, Absolutely. You know, and, and just treat them with the same respect they want to be treated with. I tell all my people, you treat people the way you would want any member of your family treated. Um, do we always make that? No. But, you know, generally when you look at it, there's, there's not clean hands on either side. But I expect us to do better. Well, usually, it's been my experience, and I supervise a lot of police officers, that when you when you have this situation, you've got two stories. You've got one story on one side, one story on the other. And the reality is the truth, the 100% truth, is somewhere in the middle. It is. Because both of them have their story from their perspective, which may not be totally 100% accurate. Well, yeah, and that's the way in every case. Well, people tell a story in a light most favorable to themselves. Exactly. And the truth is usually sometimes closer to one to the, than the other. But that's why I'm such an advocate for body cameras, body-worn cameras. Absolutely. Because it, it, invariably it, it means, number one, the officer is going to do better and be better. But th- we also know what happened as close as we can, recognizing that a body-worn camera still doesn't show everything uh, that that you that actually occurs we had a situation where we tried to arrest a guy who had a warrant in our court and they they tried talking with him for 10 or 15 minutes trying to calm him down trying to get something worked out what you don't see on the body camera you, uh, is the guy throws an elbow and hits the altar in the nose well he tased him so if you just looked at the body camera it looks like we tased him but you don't see the elbow being swung yeah, at the officer so but you know, but they're also equipment, and they can break down. So, but we do our best to make sure we have them because um, people expect that there's going to be one, and so we're going to try to do everything we can to have. But just to your point, we had a, a, a complaint from a father that one of our officers was rude to his daughter, and that um, she didn't commit the violation that the officer uh, accused her of, and that she called the officer on it, and the officer said, "Well, you got a GPS. I could just write you a ticket anyway for distracted driving." Well, we played the video, and the officer couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been more polite. And she said, I was right behind you when you crossed the stop bar, and it, the light was red long before you crossed the stop bar. And the, the young lady said, well, you know, I do have a GPS. Maybe I was looking at it. And the officer said, well, you know, that could be distracted driving, so, you know, please be more careful. A whole lot of turn on it. So, we, I mean, we, we wrote the letter to the um, to the father and explained what the, this were the items that we need. Because he didn't complain to us directly. He complained to our elected officials. And so I said, these are, these are the uh, uh, things that we know. But just like you pointed out earlier, I'm repeating what I was told second and third hand. So I want to make sure I, I, I did all the areas. But I'm also enclosing the video for you to be able to, to see what happened. Well, he called me a day later, and he said he appreciated that because he, he and his daughter went into the study and uh, had an hour of quality time discussing I'll bet they did. the matter. <laughs> and he said, you know, my daughter's biggest takeaway was she never remembered the officer being that nice. And my biggest takeaway was I felt like my daughter lied. And I said, well, she really didn't, and that's the problem we deal with every day. She told you what her perception of that traffic stop was. Exactly. And 
without the video, we wouldn't. We, there's nothing I could have said that would have made you it's believe. Your word, one word against the other that, word. That the officer conducted just, himself the way he did. So I mean, we, we, that's why we loved it. We were actually probably the first agency in Georgia to have a full implementation of body worn cameras. Yeah, I would like to do that with my officers. I'm still working on that. Maybe somebody will give me a grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're they're not as cheap as you would like for Boy, them to you're be. You're not kidding. Um, we're basically through about as much time as we can spend. I could go on for hours talking with you, Roy. And let me ask you a real quick thing. You're also having a little bit of, you know, interest in looking at what's going on with uh, Sosby, our sponsor, Sosby's Auto Supply. Why don't you kind of give a little bit on that? Well, as I told you, I'm pretty oh, old. Excuse me. I'm pretty old. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at retiring, I, 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 whether it's next year or the year after. If I can make it to the year after that, I'll have 50 years in law enforcement. But to look at what I needed to do beyond that, I was looking for an investment opportunity. So I was able to invest in Sosby's Garage, and one of the partners, uh, financial partners. But I go out there every week, too. Uh, I don't turn wrenches, so your car's safe if you bring it in. It won't, won't be me working on it. But uh, but they do a John and and, and the, all the staff do a great job. They really care about what they're doing and they want to fix your car. Well, I absolutely totally agree. Uh, I've dealt with them for several years now, since he started his shop as a just a one man one man one man band there, and he's done a fantastic job. The growth has been good, and the growth comes because he treats his people right. They do a damn good job, and they're honest and stand behind the work. And we're we're more reasonable. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> than most too. Yeah, so. with fourteen cars, I'd be I'd be deep duty. <laughs> well, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, say about the you know Citizens Police Academy and this and different things. How would they get a hold of uh, you or the the city or? Well, the best thing to do, of course, you can reach out to us on Facebook and messengers and everything. But but I have a basically my email address, which is rwhitehead at snellville.org. Reach out to me, and we, we'll see what we can do to, to answer any questions you might have or also facilitate your participating in any of the programs that we do. Well, it's not often, folks, that you can get the email of the chief. So my, my advice is if you have any questions, uh, give Chief Whitehead a call, and he'd be more than happy to have you or shoot him an email. He'd be more than happy to help you. Well, Chief, I appreciate you being here. It's been enjoyable. Um, you have a great city. I love Snellville, and it's just one of those communities that's just all in of itself a good community. So appreciate you being here and sharing all your stories and your information. It's a lot of information. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com. Clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then, of course, click on Case in Point. Join us next week at 1130 when we will talk with business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my guest, Chief Roy Whitehead. And for our producer, Mike, and I am Rick Strawn. Remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.